So as I said last week, we are in the beginnings of Jesus' public ministry. So he hasn't, he hasn't done a whole lot yet, um, but this is really leading into a lot of what he will be doing. And our passage this morning has us seeing Jesus call his first disciples, uh, his first followers. Uh, we have multiple accounts of this, by the way, in, in, in the Gospels of what was involved with this. The basic gist of all these accounts is the same. It's what we see here, these couple verses. Uh, Jesus is walking on the beach. He sees these fishermen, first Peter and Andrew, a little bit later James and John. And he tells them, follow me. In my translation it says, I will make fishers of men. It really means fishers of people. So follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, you should know these guys, they were, would have been familiar with Jesus. Some of them had already met Jesus. So it's not total stranger talking to them. Um, but the response is worth noticing, isn't it? They follow him. They leave everything behind to become his first disciples. Now, um, the question we have this morning is what's going on here? I mean, initially, it does feel like uh, maybe a scam. <laughs> like it feels like one of those, those emails you get about a Nigerian prince who's got, you know, 50 million in the bank and wants you to uh, send your routing number and you can get 20% of that uh, 50 million, right? Uh, if you've done that, uh, just so you know, that money's not coming. <laughs> You've been waiting a while. Right? It feels like one of those kind of, like, just respond immediately. I've got something for you. Follow me. Do this immediately. And let me just assure you, so we don't have a scam going on here, but something very significant is, being hap- is happening here, isn't it? That's what we want to do this morning. What, number one, really try to get a sense of what is Jesus asking here? And I, you, should, you should know, what Jesus is asking here isn't just something he asks these first disciples. He continues to ask this question, continues to call for this. So that's what we want to do first. What's Jesus calling people to? What he's asking? Number two, what does it require to respond to what Jesus calls us to, what Jesus asks? And then lastly, what's the result? What does that mean then for how we live if we respond to it? So the first thing to say, what is Jesus calling us to? What Jesus asks? Well, that's the easiest thing to answer here, isn't it? Jesus says, follow me. Jesus saying, go where I go, do what I do, follow me. What's Jesus going? Where is he, what is he doing? Well, that, that's the rest of, of Matthew, right? We're going to see where Jesus is going, what he's doing. Uh, we saw, I mean, some sense of it already last week. That to go where Jesus goes, to do what Jesus do requires repentance. A turning away from where, from a life that's sort of dedicated to yourself, uh, a life apart from God, a life of sin, and to turn towards Jesus. To go where Jesus is going, to do what Jesus is doing, will call us into a path of love for others and service of others. That Jesus is about love and care for people. That's a path of love and care that especially notices the people on the outcasts, who are the outcasts, people on the edges. That Jesus doesn't look only at the people who are closest to them. Jesus' eyes are always for the people who seem farthest away. So to follow Jesus will involve things like this, right? We're going to follow Jesus and do these type of things, love in these ways and care in these ways. But now, and we'll spend some time really here, what does this require? Jesus asks us to follow him, but here's, here's the big thing to think about here. What does, what's required to follow Jesus? Well, you see it here, don't you? To follow Jesus means leaving something behind, doesn't it? To follow Jesus means you're going to recenter your life around Jesus. Jesus, his priorities become your priorities. His direction is your direction. He is the first and primary guide to your life. There's a great cost to doing that. This is not adding a hobby. It's not adding another subscription or another streaming service to your life. This is a total reorientation of your life. That's what happens here with these guys, isn't it? These fishermen, 
I mean, we should know, it's not like they were, they were rich, but they were doing okay, right? They were doing all right. Um, we look at these fishermen, they weren't the poorest of the poor. This is back in the first century Palestine. There's a lot of fish in the, in, in the seas there, so they would have had a good market to fish. Uh, they would have had uh, people who would have been willing to buy that fish in that culture. Uh, just an easy, cheap way to feed yourself. And so what you had from these guys were, they weren't the poorest of the poor, they weren't rich, they were maybe lower middle class. Uh, they had a good steady job, dependable job. But certainly not the kind of job that you can give up and go and follow Jesus for the next three years easily. That's, that's the call here, isn't it? To follow Jesus for these next three years, to go where he's going to go, to do what he's going to do, means giving up a place to come home to every night because Jesus' mission in these three years he has on earth is to visit all throughout Galilee, all throughout, all throughout that area. Jesus was going to every town, every village. So to do that means they're going to follow Jesus in those directions. It means... Uh, Less economic stability, right? Less steady income for them to follow Jesus. In the case of James and John, it's worth mentioning in the passage we have in Luke, uh, they were actually better off than maybe a lot of other fishermen. They had sort of a, a small business going. It mentions in that passage that they were with their father and basically their, their hired help, their, their employees. So they had, a, and they had their own boat as well. Not a lot of fishermen had their own boat. So for James and John, they're leaving a good small business Maybe leaving behind an opportunity to, to take over that business to go follow Jesus. When Jesus says follow me, there's always a cost. You're leaving behind what you're focused on. You're going in Jesus' direction. You're focused in Jesus' direction. You're going where Jesus goes. You're doing what Jesus says to do. Now, what we have in our passage is a really drastic representation of that, right? They literally physically left everything behind and went to follow Jesus. And because Jesus is physically there on earth. To follow Jesus meant physically going where Jesus goes. Jesus is going to be physically there for the next three years. They had to do that, right, to, to, to be able to follow Jesus. However, um, this, obviously, Jesus is not physically here today. He's spiritually with us, and so it doesn't look the same, but the call is the same. I want to be clear about this. We're not physically having to walk behind Jesus, but because Jesus is able to be with us spiritually, he's able to be everywhere spiritually as the Son of God, He's still able to say to us, follow me. And because he still says that, I want you to understand there's still a cost. That cost is still the same. Give up full control of your life. Give up saying, this is the direction I'm going to go and say, Jesus, I'm going to go your direction. I'm going to do what you do. I'm going to go where you say to go. Now, when we put it this way, I just want to recognize, <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of reasons not to do this. <laughs> I mean, you read this passage and you hear what I'm saying. I think there's all sorts of reasons that come to mind about why what Jesus is saying here is like, I'm not sure. I mean, for some of you, it's too risky. Too risky to do this. For some other people, well, you like what you're doing right now. You've got some things going. <laughs> you like what you're doing. You like what you're involved with. You want to keep doing it. I know other people here, well, you, you have a lot of questions. And you need all your questions answered. You need all your doubts met. I mean, just so you know, that's an impossible standard, right? But it's there for you. I've got a lot of questions. I've got a lot of doubts. I, I need more of them ticked off before I, I sort of respond to this. But for other people, it's just you want to wait. Uh, I need more time. I mean, Jesus says, follow me. It's really a sense of like, look, if you're hearing me, I want you to follow me. And you're saying, I, I'd rather wait. Now, those reasons, there might be more for you. I mean, some of them are better than others. <laughs> but there are reasons. They're a choice. To make. And it's a choice, if you think about it, it's a choice to say, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. 
It's a choice for what we call the status quo. I am where I am. I'm doing what I'm doing. That's a distinct choice. But this morning, I want you to hear from me. The better choice, I really believe, is to follow Jesus. And the reason I think you should make that choice, the reason I think will help you make that choice is to really boil it down to this. Follow Jesus because you trust him. Follow Jesus because you trust him. When Jesus says, follow me, what's behind that, what he's really saying is, trust me. Trust who I am. Trust the person that I am. Trust me. You can trust me. If you trust me, then you can follow me. I want you to notice, in our passage, Jesus, when he says follow me, he doesn't say follow me based on certain political party that he's part of. He doesn't say follow me based on even any particular teaching. Like, here's a really cool one. You're going to like this, so follow me. That's not what he leads with here. He doesn't say follow me based on getting social benefits or status. Jesus is at the beginning of his public ministry. He hasn't done much yet. He's done some that people probably have heard about or are somewhat familiar with, but he's not done a lot. So what's the pitch here? The pitch isn't follow me because you're going to know everything and get everything and you're going to like everything. It's not what he says. When Jesus says follow me, what he's essentially saying is here I am. Come meet me. Come meet me. And based on meeting me, I want you to follow me. Follow me because you meet me, you encounter me, and you realize I can trust this person. I can trust him. I can trust him with my life. And because of that, I follow him. We follow Jesus because in encountering him, you realize he's worth following. And because he's worth following because you trust him. There's an old hymn. We don't sing it as much anymore, but it's, it's a great one, right? If you've, those of you old school people here remember the hymn, Trust and Obey. There's a line, a chorus in that hymn, Trust and Obey, that says, Trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We talk a lot about the obedience, but notice, and I think that hymn gets it right. You won't obey unless you trust. And that's what Jesus is saying. Do you trust me? You understand, like, this is a way for us to work through doubts and insecurities and uncertainties, especially when those things come in your life. The only way you'll keep going in Jesus' direction when you're facing doubts, when you're facing uncertainty, when you're facing insecurity, the only reason you'll keep going in a certain direction is if you look in the direction of Jesus and realize, I don't have it all figured out, but I think he does. I trust him. Jesus is worth trusting. You won't obey. To obey is to follow someone completely, isn't it? You won't obey. None of us will obey unless we trust. So what we see in, in the Gospels, in the Bible, the whole Bible, certainly in Matthew, we follow Jesus and we meet him. We see what he's about. We see what he does. And it's good to reflect on those things. We should reflect on those things. We should talk about those things. But for those of you who maybe have been around this for a while, even if you've, this is your first time to do this, there's a certain way of, of encountering Jesus that's just reading about him. Yes, read about him. But the real thing we're talking about here, the deeper thing we're talking about here is not just reading about Jesus, it's meeting Jesus. I really mean this. Meeting Jesus. That in this deep spiritual sense, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, hear me, I really mean this, you can meet Jesus. You can meet Jesus for yourself. Understand, every day, every time you wake up, Jesus is saying, hey, meet me. Every morning I wake up, I say, I want to meet Jesus. 
my heart and my mind and the soul. Because every day is a new call to follow him. And so if I'm going to follow him, I've got to meet him. I meet him, and what Jesus says is, hey, do you trust me? Will you follow me today? Will you follow where I'm going? Will you go where I say you to go? Where you trust that what I have for you is good and best for you. Do you trust me? Will you follow me? What I find every single morning when I meet him is, yeah, I trust him. I trust him. I trust him because there is no one else like Jesus. Jesus describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. That's a bold thing to say, but it's true. <laughs> he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is good and safe and wise to follow. He being the son of God means that there's no one else like him who can lead us in the directions of God, who can bring us to God and make us in the ways that God calls us to make. He alone is worth following. We can trust him. We can trust where he follows. That's what makes him a joy to follow. We trust him. And because you trust him, you follow him. Will you meet Jesus? And in many ways, I, I'm just, <laughs> I think Jesus sells himself. <laughs> meet Jesus in your heart, your mind, and soul. See the kind of person that he really is. Read about him, but then meet him. And based on that, when you hear him fall, say, follow me, you'll realize this is someone I can trust with my life. I'm willing to follow him. So Jesus calls us to follow him. We need to trust him if we're going to follow him. Then that leads to result. The result of following Jesus is a new mission. And what's that mission? We describe it as being fishers of men. In other words, being fishers of people. Now this language, being a fisher of men, fisher of people, this kind of catching language goes back to the Old Testament. Uh, and shout out, Brandon, where you are. Thank you for this. This is, Brandon is my chat GTP for this part of the sermon. So uh, feel free to put that underscore ghost written by for Brandon O'Brien, <laughs> he's my OT guy. So all this Old Testament stuff, I was like, oh, this is good. I'm putting in. So Old Testament language of sort of catching something, this is not unfamiliar language for anyone who's reading this. It was used differently, though. Right? So the Old Testament has this language of people catching people, fishing, hunting, snaring. But it's attached to God's judgment. Right? So Psalm 9, verse 16, the Lord has made himself known. He's executed judgment in the work of his own hands, the wicked is snared. Ezekiel 17.20 describes God spreading. He says, I will spread my net over him. He'll be caught in my snare. I'm going to bring him to Babylon, enter into judgment with him there. Because he's committed unfaithfulness towards me. Or Jeremiah 16 has this fisherman and hunting language there as well. God is warning, I'm going to send for many fishermen and many hunters. And they're going to seek out people who have been committing idolatry. And these fishermen and hunters are going to bring the people to God. They're catching them, they're snaring them for judgment. Verse 18 of Ezekiel 16, when they're caught, I will repay them double for their wickedness. So it's not unnatural maybe for anyone hearing this language, maybe even these guys initially to think, oh, we're being used to, to catch people, to bring God's judgment upon people, upon the sinful people. And attach that especially to, and this is what people back, thought back then, God's going to send someone to lead the way in this, a Messiah. Messiah is going to come, and his primary job is to judge. And we're going to be part of that. We're going to judge people, uh, and then Israel is going to rule the world. That's what this is about. And, again, this is, this is language that is not, I think, totally unfamiliar to even us today. Because, I mean, we still think this way. Um, I'm struck by the kind of leaders we're attracted to. We, we especially notice we like leaders that are going to judge the other side. <laughs> Bring condemnation to the other side. We want a strong leader to bring judgment. 
and, make, and get those other people. So we like that. We're drawn to that naturally. Judgment isn't wrong, right? Be very clear about that. But there's something different in what Jesus was about when he first came to this world. Jesus actually means something different. He's using this language, but he's going to use it in a different way. He wants them, yes, to catch people. To follow Jesus means being part of this mission of, of catching people, but not catching them to be judged, catching them to be saved. Jesus says this himself, John 3, verse 17. Jesus says very explicitly, here's why I came to this world. I came not to this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. From the mouth of Jesus. That his first mission here, and the mission that continues until he comes back, is to save people. He came to this world not to leave us trapped in sin and death and all the judgment that comes upon us for that, but to save us out of it. That's what Jesus is about. And so when I talk about following Jesus, guess what that means? That's what we're about too. You follow Jesus because you trust him. And if you trust him, you realize he's a legit person to listen to and follow. If that's true, the Bible says then you should want other people to have that chance. You should want also other people to know Jesus and to follow Jesus, to realize he's someone worth trusting and following. So that's what we mean by catching people. It means as Christians, Christians should be the most people-centric people on the planet, that we care about people, we're focused on people, we're passionate about people. We care about the people around us to give them a chance for themselves to meet Jesus so they can follow him. That's what we're catching them for. If I can then even press deeper on this and just say, I I think there's even practical strategies to think about this based on the imagery that's used here. The fact that he says sort of fishers of men and what they were doing suggests certain things for how we think about this. Let me sort of lean into the imagery of the first century. In first century Palestine, so you, you might think, because we think of fishing today as like, you know, that kind of thing. Back then they're using a net. It's, and you see that in our language. He's, he comes upon them as they're casting a net into the sea. So that means they were sort of wading out into the ocean. James and John, a little more wealthy, they had a boat. So they're throwing their net over the boat. And what happens is this, this net is weighted. There's weights on the edges of it. It sinks down around the water, around the fish, and it sort of, comes into a pear shape and you draw it back into your boat. So I want to suggest that imagery maybe leads in some ways for us to think about what's involved in catching people, ways in which we catch people towards Jesus. So number one, I think this tells us to be a fisherman, fisher of men, a fisher of people means we should be broad in our reach. Broad in our reach. It's that sense of, of a net being thrown out. A net is not thrown out over one fish. It's thrown out over schools of fish. And I think this fits the sort of sense that we have of the Bible, that what Jesus is about is not just one or two people. I want to say something that may, may, may push you a little bit more than you're willing to think. <laughs> but if there's anyone who is connected to you in any particular way, from the people who are closest to you to the people you just happen to talk to maybe once a week because you get coffee from them, you work out next to them, if there's anyone connected to you in any particular way, those are people God has intentionally put into your life. Not just one person, not just two people, not just three people. Anyone who has the blessing. I like you all here. I think anyone who has the blessing of knowing you, if you are a follower of Jesus and being connected to you, has a unique blessing of being drawn to Jesus. So we're broad in our reach. We should have the sense and perspective that God could really and does have intentions for everyone that we're connected to. So we're broad. We should cast the net broadly. To draw people to Jesus. Number two, we need to notice people. To be a good fisherman, you've got to pay attention, right? You don't throw it over where there's no fish. You've got to look to see where the fish are. 
to cast the net there. To be a fisher of people means we pay attention to, we care about the hopes and dreams and cares of other people. And we care about those things, not to cast judgment on them. Again, something else that's become twisted about what it means to be a Christian today is we notice the things people care about, the people we're involved with, the things that people do, and we judge it. Like, we're like, oh, I don't like that. That's bad. (laughs) I want to argue God is giving eyes to see what people care about and notice, even if it's not so great, and realize those are avenues for God to draw them to himself. Those are ways by which God is not looking. People sees people's hopes and dreams. And the fact that Jesus is going to come back says right now Jesus is not in the judgment condemnation process. He's in the saving process. He's still in the saving process. We pay attention to people's lives so we might bless them with the life and hope and salvation that comes from following Jesus. The third thing that I want to say in sort of a practical strategy is that we need to be intentional. Intentional about then getting in people's path. The idea is that sort of we catch, we throw the net out to catch people, but then we've got to draw them in, right? We've got to actually draw them close to Jesus. It requires intentionality, not just noticing where they are and paying attention to where they are, but then actually throwing it out and catching and drawing people in so they have an opportunity to be caught and drawn towards Jesus so they might legitimately meet him. So what are ways that we catch people's attention and draw them to Jesus? So let me sort of go through a couple that, that came to mind. I was talking to a few people this week as well. I think one of the things we should be is curious about people's lives. Ask questions. I like to talk. You all like to talk. People like to talk. Maybe rather than thinking, what do I want to say to people? Think, what do I want to hear from people? One of the best things you can do is ask questions, good questions of people. Their hobbies, uh, their hometown, their family, what kind of work they do, how they grew up. All those ways are avenues by which you are able to sort of have conversations that, again, that, Think of that imagery, catching and then drawing them close to help them then hear from you how the things that they're happening in their lives are opportunities to meet Jesus through you. Another thing I'd list in how we are intentional about catching and drawing people is um, be honest about, like, what you do on the weekends. <laughs> you know, this is easy on a Monday. What did you do yesterday? <laughs> it's funny how we sort of avoid that and go around that. And it's an easy opportunity every single week to be like, oh, yeah, I'm part of a church. I go to a church. Here's what I heard. Here's what I paid attention to. Here's what I liked. Here's what I didn't like. Here's what I hope it does in my life. Being honest about what you do on the weekends <laughs> is a huge way in which, again, if this Jesus thing is legit, I'm going to suggest that from those of you who are part of our church, like you think there's something legit here. Here's a great way to then help other people see for themselves. Another thing here, three more here I want to list. Uh, Be there when people are suffering and going through difficulties. Um, Everyone will go through suffering and difficulty. Um, A lot of people have to do it alone. A lot of us do it badly. I think one of the key things about being a Christian is we have a way of thinking through suffering and difficulty unlike any other. I I will put it in almost every philosophy and every other system out there, how you deal with suffering and, and hurt and all those things, a lot of times people are saying you just got to sort of numb yourself to it or it doesn't really matter or there's all sorts of different ways to think about this. In Jesus, we have a way of honestly dealing with our suffering, not avoiding it, as, as, as John said, just going through it and going through it knowing that there's another side to it. And Jesus is the one who leads us there. So being honest, uh, helping people through suffering and difficulty is a way we draw and catch people to Jesus. Two more um, be there when people are wrestling with injustice and social upheaval. Um, 
the things that are happening in the world, you understand those are not opportunities for you to spout off your opinions. I, I, I'm interested in them. I'll tell you what I think is right and wrong. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> but the things that are happening in our world, social upheavals, racial injustice, uh, wars, all these different things that have happened over the last couple of years are actually huge, great opportunities to catch and draw people towards Jesus. Do you want to know some of the best spiritual conversations I had in the last few years? Some of the best ones. You know, you know when they were? It's during the George Floyd protests. Um, I was at a lot of them, most of them. And because people know what I do on the weekends, <laughs> uh, people, I didn't even have to do anything. People came and asked me, so how do, what, what do you think about what's going on? <laughs> what should I do? Because people realize the answers that we need, they involve political solutions for sure, social solutions for sure. But they realize it's, there's something more that's needed here. Something at the level of heart and soul. That's the missing piece in so many of the conversations. Those who've met Jesus provide that missing piece. And so being there, not being distant, but being present in the midst of the social people. I mean, we're in the midst of a lot right now. Being present in people's lives is a great opportunity to draw people towards Jesus. Uh, just in general, um, being aware of who you uniquely are and how you're able to uniquely speak about Jesus. You, the life you live, only you have lived it. The experience you've had, only you've experienced. That makes you a unique, you have a unique relationship with Jesus unlike anyone else that God uniquely uses to catch and draw people to Jesus. So being aware of yourself and who you uniquely are will able, enable you to uniquely speak about Jesus. Now, as followers of Jesus, we're talking about catching people for Jesus, and this is where the analogy falls apart. We're not catching them. You catch fish to kill them and eat them. As I said, we're... <laughs> <laughs> I just realized what I did there. <laughs> I, I will not finish the sentence. Clearly, <laughs> we're not catching and kill, eating people. That's, that's, uh, that would be a bad thing. Hopefully, this is being live stream. I'm going to make that clear. It's not what we're doing here. <laughs> um, the analogy falls apart in that sense. We're not catching people to end their lives, right? We're catching people to save their lives. Amen. Catching people to save their lives. And in that sense, too, when we talk about catching people, we're not catching people for Jesus in the sense of like you're trying to trick them and ensnare them. This is one of the things, that, great things I, I think about believing in a God who's sovereign of all things. One of the things that helps me in this is saying, I believe my job is to catch people, bring them, like you're, in the sense that you catch people into the boat. I want to catch them into the boat, put them next to Jesus, and let them see for themselves. The thing here is just let people see for themselves. Let them meet Jesus for themselves in the areas that we're at, in the places we're doing, in the, all the places we're going. Let them see for themselves. And then, really, then you realize what this comes down to then. For them to see for themselves, they got to see it in you. It comes down to this. Are you someone who follows Jesus? Do you trust Jesus and follow him in such a way it draws people to Jesus in all the questions you ask and the things you're saying and the things you're doing? You're catching them and bringing them so they can meet Jesus for themselves. Jesus is who he is. And really what we want is for people to meet him. What we want is to meet him over and over and over again. And every single day, over time, that's a great thing about a relationship with Jesus. The more you are in relationship with him, the more you realize he's someone worth trusting. The more you realize he is someone worth following. The more you realize he's someone worth trusting and following because of who he is. Who he is and where he leads us. Only Jesus can do it. Let's pray. The more people would know him and follow him, more than we possibly imagine. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for, for who you are, Jesus. And I do pray 
Um, well, first of all, that anyone here who has not had a chance to meet you, Lord, would have a chance to meet you right now. And while we're not just talking in an abstract sense, Lord, but in a real sense, in people's heart, mind, and soul, um, they can meet you. And they can see for themselves. Lord, uh, you are all the things the Bible says that you are. You are the bread that gives us life. You're the water for thirsty souls. You're the light out of darkness. And so I just pray for how that would happen, Lord. And I pray for how every day, Lord, we would again be reminded, Lord, you are someone worth trusting. So we follow you. And Lord, in following you, Lord, we want others to have that chance too. And so help us to pay attention to the people's lives around us, to realize that people all around us uh, are also trying to figure it out, uh, trying to figure things out, trying to know uh, where they should go in their lives. And Lord, you've provided a way, Lord, that guarantees life and salvation. So I pray, um, may we be fishers of men. May we be fishers of the people around us. Lord, may we draw people towards you. Um, and Lord, uh, may you do what only you can do. Be the light, be the aroma, um, be uh, the salvation, Lord, that you uniquely are. So thank you for this time. Thank you for you, Jesus. To your name we pray. Amen.